Continuous improvement comes in lots of different flavors and styles. I'm Bella Engelbach, and I'm inviting you to journey with me to the edges of lean. Episode 107, Continuously Improving Your Conversations with Clients with Robert Andreas. Robert Andreas started his career as an engineer and has taken that scientific and analytical approach into his successful entrepreneurial business career. Now, the general belief is that engineers are just not good at the people stuff, but Robert turns that idea on its head. I was curious how he has used his learnings as he built his businesses so that he could better understand how to help his clients. How does he think like an engineer when he's dealing with people? He joined me at the Ages of Lean to generously share his insights. Robert Andreas, welcome to the Ages of Lean. Thank you so much, Bella. I'm pleased to be here. It's very nice to have you here today. Hey, Robert, can you tell us about yourself? You have a very interesting life story. So start all the way back at the beginning and uh, take us up to what you're doing today. So I was born in um, a very small town in a developing country. Um, I was very fortunate to have a hardworking, loving mother and father. Um, they have probably been my biggest blessings um, of my life. And um, alongside them, I had an amazing brother, had an amazing other relatives like uh, my grandparents and so on, which have taught me a lot of values um, such as honesty, hard work and so on. As such, um, I was allowed to express my desires. And at a young age, at 10 years old, I picked up a book that was called The Evolution of Technology. And I really loved it. And ever since then, I always wanted to be an engineer. So I started my um, career in engineering when I was uh, very young started working on all types of projects um, for manufacturing plans for various other types of companies. Um, and then at one point, I turned 18. Then I started getting all types of different offers, traveling internationally, and so on. Long story short, um, I started my first company around, I believe it's 11 years ago and since then now we are at eight companies uh, oh my in goodness. our portfolio um, we've had more however we build companies and then we sell them off when we get a good price for example last year we've um, built and grown a company which was called Paplio. Um it was a very very good uh, piece of uh, software that we've built and then we got an eight-figure buyout last year. So that was very good. It was a nice exit. And like that, we had another exit last year and so on. So right now we're at eight. Um, we might do one more exit this year and then two more next year. Uh, so that would give us, that would be at, we would be at five. However, we're looking at another venture to add to our portfolio. So we might be at six. Again, it's always fluctuating up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh -huh. um, I've practiced engineering for around one decade. I was an engineer and 
slowly I started uh, getting out of that, not intentionally, but because if I spend my time as an engineer, that time is worth $100 an hour, more or less 150 to 300 as an engineering consultant, right, an hour. However, my time as a business owner is right now at between two to $3,000 an hour. So I make 10 times more as a business owner than I do as an engineer. So it's just simple math. Uh, it's a better use of my time. If we need anything built, we hire engineers and we pay them well. And if we need uh, an eight-figure deal negotiated, if we need you know, to go into a new venture, if we need to do something, I'm the person that does that. And typically, the return on investment on the time spent is very, very high. Um, during this um, time frame, I've also had the privilege of working with over 300 companies to help them scale, to help them implement processes and systems within their businesses. And in total, we've added over half a billion dollars in value to those companies, which uh, basically qualifies me to have this conversation today, right? So this is uh, the main, let's say, perspective there. Um, I always look at the gurus online um, and realize after speaking to many of them that um, they talk a big game, but they haven't built their own eight-figure empires or you know whatever. They just teach you how to do things, but they've never done it actually themselves. And so I never wanted to be that guy. I always said, I'm going to build my businesses first or my success, my accolades first, and then I can teach others how to do the same thing. I'm not going to talk from books. I'm going to talk from, in this case, this is what works. In this other case, this is what works, right? And so I can I have thousands and thousands of data points at this point of what actually works in business. Hence why I'm having conversations like this one and you know with businesses all around the world. So it's fascinating to me how many people start out in engineering and then you know move into something else. Would you say that as you have done that, and I'm listening to the things you that you're saying about what you've learned that you've maintained some engineering frame of mind there do you still do you feel like you still think like an engineer um very much so yeah yeah um i see everything like a circuit board everything in my life is a circuit Uh board right so uh i see voltages i see optimization i see resistances i see everything there as how things work it's just for me, everything is a circuit board. If this, then that. If this, then that, and so on. It's just everything's is one ones ones and zeros um, to a very large extent. I still code. No one knows this, but you know, when when I have some free time and I pick I pick a project and I work on it uh, for a little while, and I, I keep up with my uh, you know um, engineering, let's say, uh, skill set. So uh-huh. I'm much much less competent than the people we employ because they do this all the time and they've been doing it for 15 years nonstop. I've done it as a hobby for the last five years. So you can't compete, you know, just time and effort. But you still enjoy it. It's it's something I love that it. You, lo- you my, love it. That's, it's like that's... my favorite part of, of business. Ah, that, that's good. So, but Robert, when we're talking about business right there's this additional factor which of course is the people and people 
um, don't always behave yeah. with um, with logic. They're not always yes. sort of the ones and the zeros. They're not they're not binary. So, um, what have you learned um, as you have as you moved from engineering into becoming a business owner and a and a business leader? So, people are uh, dynamic, but in their way of being dynamic, they are predictable. Every single person is predictable based on their personality and based on their background, based on how they act and so on and so forth. The people that aren't predictable are um, the people that uh, have mental issues, um, uh, narcissists or uh, psychopaths, psychopaths and so on and so forth. So those aren't predictable because they don't function under normal human guidelines, right? Whereas a normal human would consider something unsayable or undoable, unthinkable, right? A narcissist or you know something someone that's a psychopath would just disregard that there's many movies on the subject right like mm-hmm. people can you know look at that however everyone else is very predictable in what they will say what they will do how they will act how they will react to something that you do and so that's one and then two is uh sorry yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, before you go on to two, so so if if in your experience you find that most people, aside from those uh, exceptions that you talked about, are predictable, is that something that you have been studying? You know, that you've been yes. paying attention to. How did you learn that? Yeah. So um, let me just finish number two, and then I'll get back to your okay, question. Okay. Great. So yeah, with because they they relate to one another. Number two is, and we've discussed a little bit before the recording, uh, you and I, that there's utopia, like how things should be if everything would be great. And then there's reality, right? Right. So number one, people are predictable. And then number two, I base the way I act and the advice I give on reality, on how people actually are, not how I would like them to be. So not on my expectation of how they are, but how they actually are, okay? And so this is very important because how people actually are might be infuriating, might be unjust, might be unethical, and so on and so forth. But this is how many people actually are. As a result, you, if you want to succeed in business, you need to take people for how they actually are. Otherwise, you're living in your little bubble and your bubble will make you poor and unsuccessful, right? It just, you won't work. You won't function in, in a society that is the way it is. You're not going to change a million people, right? However, what you can do is you can set an example, right? You can learn the patterns. You can learn to work with others because what I believe is that if the mission is important enough, you will find a way to work with anyone, right? If a mission is important enough, you will find a way. Right. Just figure it out. Don't yell at one another. Just be rational. Right. You don't like me. I don't like you. We both still want the same thing. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Let's just do it. Right. Let's go. So sometimes these this is the type of conversation you need to have. Right. With people. And then that's fair. That's fine. But guess what? As a leader, you got the job done. Right. Everyone got it done. And not even the person that hates you still respects you because you say, I don't like the guy, but he gets the job done, right? Or I don't like the lady, but she gets the job done, right? And so 
sometimes because you're not going to vibe with everyone right some people have different upbringings different belief systems and it's not your role to be their mom or their dad or whatever let them mm -hmm. do whatever they want to do right and then you just learn to work with people the way they are because guess what if we do not accept people the way they are that means actually we are not inclusive because every person talks about inclusion and diversity and so on but the moment someone has one belief that does not sit right with us automatically that's not okay with us okay well either you are inclusive and diverse or you're not make up your mind because inclusion means that you can believe whatever you want to believe and i will accept you for who you are and i can still work with you the ultimate form of inclusion is that right again it's it's zeros and ones for me i'm an engineer right it, yeah, it doesn't work yeah. any other way there's no gray area you're either are inclusive or you're not. If you don't believe that certain beliefs should exist, that ticks things off of your inclusion list. Okay, I'm inclusive to this rate, 70% inclusive, 30% no, and so on and so forth, right? So coming back to the patterns and you know what I've studied uh -huh. and so on and so forth, something that has helped me a lot is personalities, to study personalities. And there are four types of personalities, and that's it. They're not nothing else. They're just these four. There's dominant, influence, stable, and conscious is DISC for easy uh, remembering, right? So um, dominant people tend to be very results-oriented. They don't care if they need to step on someone to get what they want and so on and so forth. So that's the dominant person. Anyone can think of some, per some person that, you know, makes a ton of mistakes but doesn't care, just goes through, you know, pushes through and gets the job done and so on. So that's dominant. Influent means that these people tend to be very funny, life of the party, you know, it, like when everything is tense in the room, they're the guy that just cracks a joke and everyone starts laughing, right? So that's the influent guy that they can influence everything that's happening uh -huh. around them, right? Then there's the stable person. The stable person does not take decisions. Typically, they like other people to take decisions and they, they are the ones that maintain stability, right? They're the ones that are against change. They don't want change to occur in the organs. They like things the way they are because the way they are, even if it's not perfect, they know it. Like they understand it, it the way it's it is. It's safe. It feels it's safe. safe. Exactly. Safe yeah. is the best word. We all know people like that as well. No, no, no. This is what I like. I'm comfortable here, right? I'm not going to do anything else, right? And then there's conscious. Conscious people are very similar to dominance and most people would not be able to tell the difference. I'll tell you the main point of difference between someone that's conscious and someone that's dominant. The dominant person will say, we're going to do this this way because I said so. That's the dominant person. The conscious person will say, we're going to do it this way because this is the right way. This is how it should be done, right? And so a conscious person says, this is A, B, C, D. These are the steps. This is what we do. Or this is the belief system. This is the core value. This is this is how we operate because this is what we define it at. Not because I said so, because this is how it should be, right? So again, a conscious person says, this is the law, like an accountant. Ac uh, many accountants are conscious because they say, this is the law. This is how I need to send the books to the IRS. As such, you need to do exactly that. It, it doesn't matter what I think, Frank. Please understand whether... I think the law is correct or not, doesn't matter. This is the law. You need to abide by it. So this is how I need your books done. This is how we need to send them. This is what we need to do, right? That's a conscious person. So when you're working with somebody yep. and particularly 
I think in this case, we want to talk about when you're working with a leader in an organization or someone who's, who's aspiring to leadership, what's your first step to determine what kind of a person I'm working with? Language is the best form, typically. Um, so all of us have two types of being. One is our adaptive self, which everyone sees, and one is our natural self, right? So adaptively, someone might be very mellow, you know, like give in to others, let them take decisions, and so on and so forth. Naturally, they might be very dominant or the opposite, right? It might be one or the other. Let me give you everyone that's listening a life hack. You You will fall in love with the person that you can be natural around. So if you're naturally dominant and some person loves you for being exactly that and does not judge you and loves you exactly like that, that's the person you're going to fall in love with because you can let go of all of your masks. You don't need to be adaptive with them. You can be natural with them. That's your natural way of being. In business, 99% of cases, we are not natural. We are adaptive. I need to adapt to certain situations. As a leader, even more so, because there's a thing called situational leadership, which every manager should read, right? It's a very important thing, situational leadership. And it's based on personality types. When I go talk to, let's say I have a, um, we are going to implement a new CRM in the business, right? So I need to give the announcement to everyone that, you know, we have a new CRM and this is what we're going to do. I go to the dominant person, it's like, I got you a piece of software that will make you spend, you know, half of your time doing admin work and just use that time to just talk to clients, close deals, make more money. What do you say? Like, perfect, amazing. Okay, then something else for the influent. I go to the influential person. We're just adding a new CRM. Uh, It will allow you to automatically do, you know, the grunt work of following up with people and we'll schedule calls for you so you can spend more time talking to people rather than just figuring out what to message them. The influential, which oh is, my God, yes. Which is what they exactly. want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Stable person. What I'm going to say is we're implementing a system that will help you keep better track. Everything you're already doing, exactly the same things you will do in the new system. Nothing will change. It will stay exactly the same. This system is to help other people. Everyone else in the organization will be happier for it. And you will need to do the exact same thing that you've always done. And they'll be like, okay. I go to the conscious person and I tell them the new system has better reporting, better visibility, better transparency. We'll see everything. Like the reports are fantastic, right? You can tell if someone's following process or not. And they'll be like, oh my God, yes, sign me up. Okay. So the exact same one initiative that you wanted to take to the leaders or to staff or to managers, you say it differently based on the situation. And the situation is based on the personality. What's the personality of that person? That's how you talk to them, right? But but you talk about the natural personality because what they may be displaying in that particular environment may not be the natural personality. So you still have to find that out. Exactly. So when you talk to someone, language is the best determinant of, uh, of... what they are and so on and so forth you know so for example 
I uh, at one point I was at a sort of like an interview because when you um, get jobs, like when you get consulting jobs, they're almost like interviews. They're like, what are your qualifications? What are you going to do here? What are you going to do there? So I've had hundreds of interviews, basically. I've never gotten jobs, but I've I've gotten business, right? So um, within those interviews, let me give you one example. I was talking to two people in the room. One person, I could tell they were dominant. The other person, I could tell they were um, uh, conscious. So the moment I walked in the room, dominant person comes over. Hello, Robert. How are you? Blah, blah. You know, very upbeat, very direct, very like, let's get down to business. The other person, very, you know, like the other person was the owner, by the way. So if anyone yeah. was to have most most uh, energy, it should have been that guy. The guy comes to me, glasses on, perfect tie, you know, perfect suit. Hello, Robert. Pleased to meet you. We're happy to see you. Like everything by the book, like everything he said was calculated, right? Not a word more, not a word less, just exactly how much they needed, right? So just by that, I'm like, okay, I can tell how you guys are. I start talking to them. The guy that was the dominant, you know, holds the entire conversation. The other guy says almost nothing. I could tell dominant influence right here, right? This other guy, stable conscious. I can tell, right? It literally, like, it just levitates. Like, you feel it when you're in the room. So I was having the conversation. Then, you know, I was, they were saying what they want. I was saying what I can do, right? And then the guy comes up with objections, comes up with like eight objections or whatever, right? This is the top, the, the man the with dominant the top. guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The dominant guy comes up with objections, you know, and he hits me with everything he has. That's the dominant guy. Like, he doesn't care if you get offended. And this and that. And, you know, Robert, I don't want to be disrespectful, but why would I believe you could do this? Or why would I, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, the dominant guy just throws everything at you. I love them because it's so much easier to work with someone that just tells you in your face everything you need to know. So the, the, he just tells me everything, and I take down all of the notes, I take all of my all of the objections, and then I take them one by one. So I say, okay, in total. So and I tell them. So I ask, is there anything else you want us? Any other objection? Anything else that's on your mind? They say no. Okay, perfect. They say, okay, I have a total of eight objections that you brought up. The first one was this, and I say, this is why that's not going to happen. I, I say it proactively. I, I look at the guy's face when I'm talking. Number two, this. And I tell them in his face. As as I was going through it, I was doing two things. Number one, the guy started laughing. Like, he couldn't help himself. He was loving it. You know, like, he tried to be, like, a, a re- very rough guy, you know, like, very cold. But when he saw me, how good I was in it, like, he just... He just, dominant people love meeting other dominant people because only we can tolerate one another. It's just very difficult to work with them, right? Because they are they just overpower anyone in the room. When there's another dominant person, they just clash and then they just respect one another. It's just, that's how the dynamic works. So I was just telling him everything and so on. So what I did, number one, I got that guy by my side because now he sees I know what I need to do and I'm willing to talk back and say, this is what needs to happen and this is why. And the other guy that's conscious saw that I have a system. And I'm not just talking out like randomly. I took everything down. I took note. I took everything one by one by one. In that one conversation, I was talking to both of them, even though I was just watching one. And so both of them loved me. The next day said, Robert, we want you on. Right? And so that's how you know from language, from how they are, how they dress, right? 
and then you can guide your speech or whatever it is you need to tell them based on their personalities. I think for a lot of consultants, particularly people who are new to consulting, and I know there are folks that listen to this podcast who have, you know, left their left their job, their paying job, and, and gone into consulting and coaching. Those first few times of going in to something, as you say, it's like an interview, but it's not an interview. But going in and, um, you know, talking to leadership um, can be really uh, terrifying because it's not, you know, it's not the same as an interview, right? Because you're not just talking about, you know, here I am and here's my qualifications for the job. You're also talking about your ability to influence, to take the project forward, to to work with the you know with the piece of the organization or the whole organization. I think what you're offering then is a way to go into that very logically and 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 think about well, it's not about it's not just about me, right? It's about who are these people, what do they need, and then how can I reflect back to them what they need so they can really see what it is that I'm offering. I, th- I think it's very masterful. Um, that that approach exactly the folk you nailed it on the head the focus you shouldn't be worried if you're worried about it that means you're thinking about yourself which Mm -hmm. is not okay you immediately fail when you think about yourself what you do i mean you can still win the deal don't get me wrong you might win the deal out of luck right like or or personality you or, or or beauty i don't know but you might win it for some reason however if you want to win it and increase your chances of actually winning it you need to think about them, always them. You think about them. So what I do is I started a few years ago. I think it was maybe five, six years ago. I started a two-session uh, onboarding sequence. So instead of having one session, which I used to have up until six years ago, I now always have two. I have one conversation, whether that's in person or over Zoom. And then I talk that one conversation, almost 95% about them. What are your goals? What's your current context? What are your challenges? What do you expect as solutions? You know, what's the dynamic in the team? Who will we be working with? How do you expect this to work? Blah, 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 blah. Everything. If I need to talk to them for two hours, it's two hours about them, right? Everything, timelines, budgets, constraints, anything you can think of, anything, right? You just talk about them for two hours that's it nothing else and then you set expectations for another call and to discuss and so on dependent so and then and then what that's like then robert is is rather than them interviewing you right you're interviewing them and you're giving them the gift of being listened to Yes, which is a massive gift because a yeah. lot of people at that level get pitched all the time, pitch, yeah. pitch, 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 and they're exactly. trying to figure out what in that pitch is baloney. We know what's bullshit. Yeah. So, so now, so yeah. now you're giving them that gift of being listened to, which feels yeah. great. It feels yeah. wonderful to be listened to, and it then you great. move on to your second conversation, right? Yeah, it, it feels great, and it also gives you the opportunity to start showing them how good of a coach you are because they say. Oh, we've already tried that. Okay, could you tell me more about what exactly have you tried and what were the results? So you actually go into it. Like they see you're analytical. They see you ask pertinent questions. They see you ask follow-up questions. You want to actually understand what's going on and so on and so forth. This is amazing because no one does that to them. No one questions them. 
you then go in as the coach and now they see they have uh, what's called a sounding board, right? Like now they have a sounding board. Now they have someone asking the real question, like, okay, what actually happened? Why does this not, why did this not succeed? Do we want to keep doing it? Do not, or what, what's going on with that, right? And so on and so forth. And then in the other call, dependent on how well the first call went, you, the other call is the proposal call where you now propose the exact solution that they want to buy in the exact budget, in the exact timeline, in the exact terms that they told you on the first call that they want. If because you cannot... you've already heard that. So you're not guessing. Exactly. You're not, you're not in... guessing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. a very important point here that I want to mention, critical. If you cannot do exactly what they need in the exact time frame, in the exact manner, then please be ethical and send them to someone else that can. Do not pitch them just because now you know what they want to buy. If you cannot provide what they want to buy, do not try to sell it because you will lose credibility and it's just not good business, right? So don't do that. Recommend it to someone else that can actually do it for them, right? And so we've done that multiple, multiple times. People have come to us, said, Robert, I need someone, right, to come in-house to do this, to whatever and so on like we're not that guy we're just not we're or we're not that team right if you want us to do that it'll it's going to cost you so much more and i'm going to be very frank you you'll need to pay us at least 10k extra on top of what you would pay someone to actually come to your offices you know and do it at your offices and so on and so forth right because for us you would have to pay extra accommodation transportation food and so on and so forth but obviously you would need to pay right and you we would add that to the bill and so it wouldn't make sense only if you really want to work with us, right? Which is different. Um, but again, you need you can gouge that. You can see what that looks like. And you need to understand, like in that specific scenario, are you willing to live six to 12 months in a different city, you know, and literally live there and work at their office? Because I don't. And I know many people in our businesses don't want to because that's why they come to our businesses because it's remote work. They can work mm -hmm. from anywhere and wherever, whenever they want. Right? They're not going to be tied to an office eight hours a day, and they quite honestly don't even know how to do that. There are very specific ways in which you are productive at an office. It's very different than how you are at home. For example, I personally, one of my energy hacks and life hacks, people call them hacks. I don't call them hacks. I just call them you know, things that work, right? Like things principles. that work, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is that midday I take a nap, whether that's 20 minutes or 30 minutes, 40, it doesn't matter. I don't have a clock. I just go to sleep, right? And I wake up whenever I wake up. Imagine doing that in an office, you know, like how would you do that, right? It's weird. And I did do it. I did do it at offices. Whenever I had to go to an office, I would just literally put my head on the table and just sleep, right? I would take a pillow with me and I would just sleep. And management was like, Robert, you're sleeping at the office. I'm like, and? Well, it doesn't look good. And? Well, maybe you should stop doing it. Well, do you care about <laughs> do you care about the looks or do you care about the results? Because I thought you hired me to get certain results. But obviously, we care about the result trouble. Okay, well, I'm getting you three x what everyone else on my um, uh, in my peer set is getting you. So, should you be talking to me about not sleeping, or should you be talking to everyone else about taking a midday nap so that they actually are productive in the last four hours of their day? And then management goes like, oh, wait, right? 
because I'm much more, I can prove it. I can prove with KPIs that my way of doing things is better than the average because the average is average. My way is better. So if you want the better uh, yeah. way, uh, and in fact, the average is less than average, right? So, exactly. so this idea yeah. that if you're going to spend eight hours seated at a desk behind a laptop, staring at a screen, yeah. uh, doing who knows what, um, yeah. there's there's not a ton of productivity um, in doing that. But, I swear but that, somehow managers yeah. think that's the way to work, right? And there's this put this this call back to the office now, so you can see the people sitting at the desk, staring yeah. at the screens. Yeah, go on. The, I, I kid you not, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I was uh, at the offices of uh, on site of one of our clients. And I was just roaming around, you know, like just doing my stuff as a consultant. And at one point, I look at someone's screen and they were they were browsing um, uh, shoes. I, I clearly remember it. It was like uh, boots. And, and I was looking at them and I'm like, Excuse me, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, I'm just, I just need some winter shoes. I'm like, You're at the office, right? And she's like, Well, yeah, of course, I'm not going to take my out, I'm not going to take this out of my own time. And I heard that and I'm like, Oh my God, that's crazy. But she, like, not even, like, didn't even think, you know, it's just, of course, I'm not going to use my free time to browse for shoes, like to do my shopping. You know, of course I'm going to do it whilst I'm at work. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, I love you so much for being so honest with me. That's just, obviously I didn't tell anyone about it because that's, you know, it wasn't my, you know, and I appreciated how honest they were with me and I didn't want to, you know, step on that. But that was just, and I think Crazy. I think from a, a lean perspective, we'd look at that and say, well, if that person's doing that, well, you know, what's the reason for that? Well, you know, maybe they actually don't have work to do right now. Maybe, you know, whatever the flow of the work is, the work hasn't flowed to them, flowed to them yet. Or perhaps um, they have work to do, but it's horrible and they don't want to do it yes, right now. Okay. And no one wants to do the horrible work. Um, but, you know, they could... There, there are lots of reasons, or it could be you know what you were talking about, which is that our brains actually cannot focus for yes. extended periods of time. We need to take right. those steps away, whether it's whether it's that nice nap or a walk or whatever it is. Yes, our brains actually need that. We we can't yes. stay focused for eight hours at a time. I do that midday. I I take the break. I have lunch. I have a very um, satiating lunch. A lot of protein, a lot of nutrients, you know, fibers and so on. I eat a lot. And then after that, I take a nap, right? And so I see many people after lunch, they're like lethargic. They're like slow and so on. I'm like, what? what what's wrong? It's like, well, you know, I'm still digesting, you know, I'm, I'm taking it slowly. And so I'm like, like just take a 30-minute nap. And then be incredibly productive for the rest of your time here, right? And that's it. it it's just so much simpler to do it that I, I mean, it, it, it is for me. So that's what I do. So, so, Robert, you would you would be bringing pillows into all your clients? Yes, and... yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Let everybody take a nap. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. I think you know, there's a this particularly when we're talking about you know so-called knowledge work. It's very difficult for people yes. to to do that yes. hour after hour um we just don't operate we're not designed to do that kind of work we're not built for that we, no we are designed to constantly think um when we're awake 
but not at the same level of intensity, right? So mm. when you do want to do amazing creative work, you need to go into flow. And when you're in flow, you use your neurons like crazy. Like everything's like you're just making connections, being creative, using your imagination, working, 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 working. And at one point you need a break. You, you flexed the muscle of the brain. Now you take a break, right? And so the best break is sleep. Or meditation is another form of sleep, right? Like you can sleep whilst being awake, which is meditation. But almost no one knows how to actually meditate. So sleep is the next best thing of meditation. That's great advice. And I know a lot of people who like the idea of meditation but find it very difficult. But yes. um, sleep is sleep is definitely an easier thing to do. Yeah. Right. Robert, when you're working with leaders yeah. and um, you are – particularly, um, you know, leaders who are wanting to scale up their organization. How do you help them see what they haven't been able to see in their organizations? Um, I typically use data as my uh -huh. guiding point. So data and facts do not need to be personal. So when I come in, I do not tell them that this is how it should be. I don't take the dominant approach. I take the conscious approach. I say, let's look at the data and then let's let data tell us. I'm not telling you what you need to do. Your own data will tell you if you need to make a change and if so, what could potentially be a change and so on and so forth. So we look at the KPI. For example, very simple example, you look at marketing. You're spending you know, 50 grand a month on marketing and is bringing you $30,000 worth of business, for example, right? I'm making this up, okay? So obviously, this could be done better to some extent, right? Why spend 30, 50 grand and make 30 at the end of the day, right? So data tells you that there could be improvements here, right? Okay, what are we doing? We're doing email campaigns, we have PPC, we have SEO, we have whatever else. Okay, let's now look at all of those individually. How much are we spending for each and what's the... ROI from each. You might find that PPC and SEO are bringing you all of your business and zero is coming from email outreach. Or you might find the opposite, that a lot is coming from email outreach and nothing from PPC and uh, SEO. Whatever the data is, that's what you double down on. That's what you do more of. Everything else you do less of or you try multiple other things in those channels because obviously those channels aren't working, right? So let's say you spend 15 grand on each of these channels and two of them are making 30 grand. One of them is not making anything, it's zero. Okay, well, focus a lot on that to make sure that you decrease spending. Like let's say you decrease it from 15K to five and you, you, try, you try playing with it to see what else you can do. And with the 10K that's left, that 10K, you can distribute it on the other two, five and five. So now all of a sudden, the two channels that work bring you more leads. And then this other one, you take it as a testing channel, right? And so on and so forth. So just like with marketing, sales is the same. HR is the same. Recruiting is the same. Efficiency in business is the same. Productivity, anything you can think of. Finances is the exact same way. You look at data and based on what data tells you that those are the things you can improve. And then I like what you said, too, that it's not all about, all right, now here's a solution. It's about also creating that ability to test and yes. to be able to, 
Yes. To see, all right, well, we have an idea. Let's try yeah. the idea, but we're not locking into it, which of is uh, which is something else I think consultants get confused of, right? You know, they come in yes. and drop a solution off. May or may not work in that particular environment. But what you're saying is, you know, let's just test it and see. Yes, That's, let's test yeah. it and see. Let's take uh, calculated risks. That's what we do as consultants. We help businesses take more calculated risks. That's all you need to do as a consultant is reduce risk factors, right? The biggest risk factor in business is to spend resources on things that don't add value to the business, right? That's the biggest risk factor. If you can reduce that that risk factor by focusing people on things that actually matter, focusing either their time, their capital, you know, their software, their whatever, on things that move the needle, as in get them better KPIs at the end of the quarter, then you're already doing them a service. That's it. De-risking their business is the best thing you could do as a consultant because every business is risky. The difference between if this business is worth 10 million or 100 million is what's the risk factor of me making my money back? <laughs> That's it. That's all it is. Everything in business is risk factor, right? That's why it's so important for someone to build a brand for themselves. Like for example, uh, Warner Brothers. Let's say if Warner Brothers for some reason has a horrible, horrible year, you know, or 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 decade, right? And they go down, down, mm. down. They would still be incredibly valuable because they have 150 years of branding behind them. Anyone buying that, you know, would literally have the risk factor significantly reduced if they want to go into the, uh, what's it called? Uh, entertainment industry. Entertainment, right? yeah. Because all of a sudden, you don't, need, you don't have a new brand that no one heard of. You have Warner Brothers freaking international. You know, like <laughs> you have a brand that you attach your product to and everyone wants Warner Brothers to come back, right? Like everyone that's our age, we're like, oh, Warner Brothers used to make such cool movies. You know, they got sloppy, you know, but in the back of your mind, you're like, I wish Warner Brothers would restart making great movies, right? Like they used to do before. And current management is not doing that. They're taking it to the ground. Someone else buys the company. They put a new management. They then come out with, I don't know, something amazing, you know, like Soul or, you know, whatever, you know, Brave or Moana or I don't know, you know, something like cool. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, like, oh, wow, amazing. Like they're back They're you know, they're, and they're so back. on. Yeah. So that's the, that's the biggest value add you can add to businesses to de-risk investment. And, and, and build the brand. Robert, you have a really interesting website. Can you tell us about your website? <laughs> um, I uh, I never wanted to be public facing because yeah. it's very dangerous um, to be public facing. You know, everyone now knows about you, knows what you do, who you are, and so on and so forth. I have always loved to be the brains behind, you know, the operation. I never wanted to be public. All of my businesses have public-facing CEOs, right? Whether they're women leaders or men leaders, doesn't matter, right? As long as they have what it takes, you know, to lead the company forward and, and be the face of the brand. So I'm the face of a very small percentage of our companies, and then we have other people. The only reason why I went into the public limelight and you know i created the website for myself and you know we we're on podcasts now you know like uh -huh. i've been invited to dozens of podcasts and so on and we're writing books and everything is because at one point you get you you raise the stakes on what you can do so high 
that if you have a conversation with, for example, Warner Brothers, and you're like, let me manage this $1 billion of budget for you, or let me help you manage it. They're like, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Like they have no idea because you, you don't exist online. And if you don't exist online, then that becomes a problem because they, they have no references. They are, there are no, no testimonials. There are no podcasts. There are no, you know, national, you've never been on national radio or television or things like that. Right. You've never been featured in Ford. Like how, why would I trust you? Of course, I'm going to go with the Tony Robbinses of the world, right? Because mm. they have the bragging rights, right? I'm going to go with them or their team because they're there. They're like, everyone knows, like it's, it's like buying, you know, the SAP of whatever it is that is in your realm, right? They, they have this very bad, um, uh, quote in enterprise like no one's going to get fired for hiring sap well to be honest i wish they would because instead ah. of you paying 20 million dollars for a solution you don't need work with a consultant and a consulting firm pay two million dollars and get something much more custom and much better for your needs right so i wish they would get fired more you know for that and then stop making these bad decisions right however again the world is what it is you know you need to work mm-hmm. with that within that so that's why I started going into, you know, the public eye. I, I have some YouTube videos. I have some Instagram stuff. I never go on social media. It's always someone else managing, posting, mm-hmm. telling me what to do. I'm like, I don't like this stuff. <laughs> I never like this stuff, right? <laughs> They're like, Robert, please just give us an hour of video and we'll we'll cut it. We'll do whatever, you know, and then I try to do my best, you know, and then they take that. And so that's what I'm doing right now because I'm negotiating eight-figure deals, right? And when you're negotiating eight-figure deals constantly, people do due diligence on you. Who are you? What have you done mm-hmm. before? Who else have you worked with? And so on and so forth. That's why I have my website. It's myfullname.com, right? Anyone can go, you know, they can check it out. Um, I give a free book if anyone's interested in becoming more productive. It's there. They just leave their email. Um, and if anyone wants to talk to me or ask any questions of me, you know, things of that nature, they can, I have a team of four assistants that just filter through everything. However, if they email me at robertnidish.com and they mention your podcast or your name or anything like that, I promise to reply to them. Personally. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. So, so uh, that's, that's your chance, everyone, that you can, uh, you can get your questions answered from Robert. Hey, Robert. It's been such a pleasure having you here. I want to ask you one more question. Um, And uh, thinking about your life and where you are today, what is your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? Um, For a young young person starting out, what I would highly advise them is to stop thinking that people should be in a certain way. That is Mm. one of the biggest... uh, things that hold people back because they believe that leadership should be like that. They believe that, I don't know, uh, uh, women should be this or men should be this or uh, people should be this or whatever, right? They believe certain, they have certain beliefs that say, this is how things should be. Okay. Well, guess what? Things are not the way they should be. Sadly, it's sad. I know. Boohoo. This is the way it is. So, Let's take it for what it is. Let's be the difference. Let's be the change. Let's be the example we want to see in the world, right? 
and then treat others the way that they are. Accept them the way they are, right? Some people are racist. Okay, you ask them, why are you racist? Did you ever bother to ask someone that's racist why they are racist? Because you will hear some stories that will make you cry and you will not believe it. And so you will perfectly understand why they have the belief system that they have if you actually bother to listen. Now, let me tell you that if you ever judge anyone, you are not being loving because love is not judgmental. Love is accepting. Divinity is accepting of you of the way you are and allows you to make mistakes and uh, sort of confess your mistakes and then hopefully you know make amends for your mistakes and so on and so forth, right? God does not, you know, send a lightning bolt to kill anyone that just did something wrong. He does not do that. You insulted someone, you saw how they reacted, you saw that wasn't good, you have now chance a chance to meditate on it and go back and say, I'm sorry, I was angry, I did not want to say that or do that, right? You're given a chance to do that. And so judgment is not reserved for you. Judgment is reserved for someone else. Let whomever has the power of judgment judge, you stop judging people, right? Because that's not your job. You take people for how they are. And if you are loving, you will see you will never get angry or hate someone or dislike them or whatever, because a loving person never does that, right? A loving person can say, you have certain beliefs that I do not agree with. And if we can work out a middle ground, we will not be able to work together. That's a perfectly loving result or outcome, but not through judgment, not through anger, not through bad vibes or gossip, but through literal productive conversation. So again, accept people from how they are. Stop living in a bubble because it will not help you in mm. your career or in your life in general. And that's the best advice I could give someone. Thank you so much, Robert Andrews, for joining me at the Edges of Lean. That's great advice. Thank you. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Robert Andrews for being my guest at the Edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did it spark? How do you listen well to your clients and colleagues? We would love to hear from you. You can find Robert at robertandreas.com or on LinkedIn. Remember, if you mention this podcast or my name in a conversation with Robert, you'll get a free book. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com, where you will find lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelberg with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.